Hello, I'm Emma Louise Coffey, and you're welcome to the Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights, and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. On this week's show, we're focusing on dairy farm profitability, and dairy specialist George Ramsbottom explains the effect of declining milk price for 2018. The National Farm Survey is the nationally representative sample of dairy farms in the country, so it includes very good performers and very poor performers. They're selected at random from the database and then Chagas sets up a survey to, to um, analyse their figures. So it's a really accurate database for the average farm in the country. In the profit monitor, the, system, the methodology we use is similar in terms of calculating the cost of production. However, it's a very select group of farmers, guys that are really interested and girls that are really interested in, um, in uh, knowing what their costs are. And these people usually perform the equivalent of the top third nationally. So from a national perspective, we, we would advise people to uh, look at the National Farm Survey data for the accurate assessment of the costs and profitability of production. From uh, But the profit monitor then reflects the best performing people in the country. And roughly how many people are completing a profit monitor each year, George? So out of the national pool of 18,000 dairy farmers, at the end of the year, we have around 3,000 completing a profit monitor report. So less than 20% of them. It, it, it seems a shockingly small figure, but that's, that's where it is. These are the people that are most financially focused. So it's a small enough number, to be honest. And I guess um, the farmers will receive a number of profit monitor reports from their Chagas advisors. And which reports are most important to focus on? Okay, so there are two reports that I would say are really important for farmers to use. The first is the dairy detail report, because this gives them a, an, an estimate of the cost of production, of milk production on their farm, and they can use those figures then to benchmark against other farmers in the country. And the second report they need to look at is the whole farm report, because while the dairy detail report gives you very good figures on cost of production, it's, it's a narrow window there. It only reflects the land and the, that's associated with the cows in milk. It doesn't reflect the whole farm performance. It only affects a window or a part of that. So the whole farm report is it gives a balanced report for all of the land engaged in the farm and the profitability that's being generated. So the dairy detail report is number one, and the whole farm report would be the second report I'd look at as well. And when we talk about dairy details, we know that milk and livestock sales would make up our, say, gross output, um, with milk being the greatest proportion of this. What are the differences you tend to see between the average farmer and, say, the the top farmers um, in terms of milk output? So in terms of milk output, uh, the top performing farms will have somewhat higher yield, although it's not necessarily the case. So typically they'll produce slightly more milk per cow, but more importantly, they'll be higher stocked in terms of their stocking rate, typically around 20% higher stocked. And on top of that, they'll be able to grow, and it's very important this year, considering the current forage shortage, they're able to grow more grass than the average farmer as well. So their output per cow will be higher, but their grass used will be higher as well. And that'll be reflected then in terms of higher gross output per cow and per hectare. And then within the gross output, the solids um, of milk that they produce will be higher. They'll have higher constituents milk as well. And then they'll produce higher milk solids per cow and per hectare. And I suppose uh, following on from that, the um, higher milk yield and the higher constituents is going to lead to a higher milk price and higher output. Um... It'll, lead, it'll lead to a higher output, yes. But but 
just be aware of, of using milk yield as a guide to profitability because the two aren't necessarily uh, compatible. Sometimes people can produce a lot of milk per cow, but they'll do it at significant cost and their, their profit might, might, might well be lower than some people with lower uh, production but higher or but also lower costs. They may well make a higher profit per cow and per hectare. Um, and, and moving on from that, when we, t- when we consider milk price, milk price was extremely high last year and I think the average farm um, had about milk price of 38 cent per litre um, when we factor in fat, protein and milk quality. Um, milk price is on the decline at the moment. Um, do you estimate that there's going to be a decline in profitability on farms in 2018 as a result of this? Yeah, so, yeah, I wouldn't be qualified to talk about uh, milk price as such. Wh- who knows where it'll end up for the year. At the moment, it looks poor, but then there are some indications that milk price is stabilising and perhaps even rising. So we won't talk about price. We'll focus on in cost of production. And if we look at cost of production, so last year turned out to be a very favourable year. From the National Farm Survey and Profit Monitor data, we're seeing low and sustained, sustainably low fixed cost of production and variable costs are not rising at, not rising much at all. This year, with the we would anticipate higher costs of production because we've had this prolonged cold and wet spell this spring. So from a cost of production perspective, it doesn't all go well for, for profitability longer term for the year. One would anticipate that perhaps there'll be a, a depression in milk yield this year because of the sustained indoor period and there'll be higher cost of production as well. And both of which will contribute or likely to contribute to a lower level of profitability, even if the milk price remained the same. At the moment, big prices behind last year, but we can't say for definite where it's going to end up for the year yet. It could well be higher at the end. And to to, to catch up there on costs, you mentioned the costs. They're, they're generally split into variable and fixed costs. Can you identify the difference between these two? Yeah, so variable costs are things that typically vary with uh, production and with scale. Stuff like feed and fertiliser being the two big ones and veterinary and AI being the next pair then contractor can be a bigger or a small one on farms and other variable costs, stuff like uh, parlour expenses, uh, milk recording, things like that. So these are costs that typically vary on farms. Then we've our fixed costs, which don't tend to change a whole lot if there are smaller changes in, in the size of a herd. So stuff like uh, hired labour mightn't change very much. If you had an extra row of cows, it mightn't, there mightn't be any more hired labour on the farm. Machinery costs mightn't vary very much if you had 100 cows or 110. Uh, leases of land and uh, might, uh, is another fixed cost, as is interest, and other fixed costs, things like professional fees, uh, repairs and maintenance, all fish in, in under the other fixed cost heading. So fixed costs and variable costs tend to account for, on the average profit monitor farm, around 18 or 19 cent per litre, maybe 20 cent per litre in total on the average um, profit monitor farm, and for of costs of around... 25 cent on the national average farm will be typical enough for, for the year, of which slightly more than 50% of those costs, so around 12 cent per litre on the average profit monitor farm, will be variable costs, and around 10, 9 or 10 cent will be fixed costs. On the national average farm, around 13 or 14 cent will be variable, and around 11 cent will be fixed. They're the kind of the average figures we see nationally. Have you any standard costings for any of the, say, individual costs you mentioned that are associated with milk production? Yeah, so on the average farm, on a typical farm in profit monitors, these are better than average guys. We don't really go by standard costings, but typical spends for the average profit monitor farm would be around 
three quarters to a ton of meal, equivalent to about 240 to 150 euro per cow for feed. But 130 is the typical per cow cost for fertilizer. 60 to 80 euro for vet. Uh, 30 to 40 for AI costs. Contractor is creeping up because there's more and more reliance on good, good, good quality contracting services. That'll typically average around 100 euro, and other variable costs around 100 euro. So total variable costs for the average farm in 17 will be in the order of six to 700 euro uh, on the average profit monitor farm. They're the total variable costs, and fixed costs will total typically last year around 500 euro per cow. And when we talk about fixed costs, you mentioned labour and hard labour. Does the fixed costs um, of this year's profit monitor include the labour of the farmer, so his own labour input? So neither the, the, the way costs are calculated, the profit that's being generated excludes three things. It excludes bank principal repayments, it excludes own labour and it excludes taxation commitments. So typically in the National Farm Survey, when we look at the data, they, they record that if one were to account fully for the own labour component on top of the existing fixed costs, it would add somewhere in the order of 10 to 12 cents per litre of additional costs to a farm. So there's quite a substantial gap between what we call the net, the net profit uh, and the actual reality if, if costs were the own labour was fully accounted for. So there is a gap there that's not accounted for. So net profit, which last year on the profit monitor farms would have averaged around €900, Euro, didn't account for own labour, for bank repayments or for taxation. And that's typical of the way such costs are accounted for on a national basis and uh, in the different uh, systems of accounting that people use. And you mentioned the National Farm Survey would uh, account for it for 10 or 12 cent for the own labour. Would that be fairly accurate in, in your estimation based on the profit monitor? Uh, so we, we're probably finding slightly lower uh, own labour costs than the National Farm Survey. But the danger we have is that we're dealing with a very efficient group in the profit monitor database and our costs would be slightly lower than that. Or our estimate of costs would be slightly lower. <clears throat> but we may well be underestimating the labour that's been incurred or they may well be the more efficient farmers as well. So we tend to use the National Farm Survey as our benchmark for estimating the hours incurred working per cow and the cost incurred as well. If we consider what has happened in the last few years on dairy farms, we have seen a significant level of expansion. Uh, what sort of impact has this had on output and costs on dairy farms? Okay, so... Typically, farmers have expanded, you know, in the order of around 20% over the last couple of years on average, but there's been huge variation between farms. So typically what's happening when we look at the National Farm Survey database, what we find is that uh, variable costs have been maintained at around the same level per cow. That's feed and fertilizer and the other ones we talked about. But the fixed costs have been diluted. And they've been diluted not because the costs themselves that have been incurred are falling on a per cow basis, but by the cost of being spread over a greater number of litres per cow, because there isn't the same restriction that there was a few years ago in terms of production. So cows are milking for longer, and milk yields have risen naturally because of the extra number of days in milk that farmers can now accord. They're not managing quota anymore. So costs on a per litre basis have fallen. Uh, the fixed costs have fallen per litre. The, the variable costs have remained around the same. Longer term, we would anticipate that 
people need to have a good uh, evaluation before further expansion takes place because a lot, of, a lot of the cheap expansion has already taken place. But in future years, uh, if you think about further expansion on a lot of farms, what it will incur is it will incur more hired labour, more land leasing, there'll be less uh, owned land available <clears throat> per cow. So people will be expanding on, they're milking their cows on more leased land. So basically, naturally, we we would anticipate that fixed costs will will tend to rise in future. I would expect that fixed costs will rise in future years because of, you know, the lower hanging fruit has been picked. So as people expand further, they're going to incur greater costs. So they want to do, when they're doing their uh, budgeting or they're planning for all this, they want to factor all those into account in, in years to come. And I suppose it would be incumbent upon me to mention, uh, M. Louise, that Anyone, uh, all, all Chagas clients have the facility to complete a profit monitor and we'd, we'd strongly encourage people, particularly those who are planning to expand, not to do so without completing one or two years profit monitor until they get a more accurate picture of their cost of production and their uh, opportunities to make uh, maybe greater profit on the, from their farms. And they can complete the profit monitors with their um, dairy advisors? Yeah, they can complete it online themselves through the ICBF system or they can complete it with the assistance of their dairy advisor. Okay, that's great. Thank you, George. You're very welcome. That's it for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast. And my thanks to George Ramsbottom for joining me on this week's show. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Emma-Louise Coffey, and join me next time for your Dairy Edge.